Welcome to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. I am Brian Higgins. And I'm Aaron Salvato. Today we're doing something a little bit different. We are in part doing what we normally do. We're tackling a pretty big topic and we're going to try to see it from as many angles as we can. But one of the ways we're going to do that is we're actually going to play an episode in which you were a guest on a different podcast. Yes, it's our very first crossover episode. And it's not that we're lazy and we just didn't want to record and produce an episode. We just think the content is actually good and it's on another show. And so we're going to bring that content to you, our audience. I mean, for me, it's being slightly lazy because I get to just kind of paratroop into you doing a lot of research and having a good conversation. But we do think we're bringing you good stuff by doing it this way. So what show were you on, Aaron? So I was on a show with the guest we had on the last episode, Brenna Blaine. We did an interview with her about same-sex attraction and Christianity. If you haven't listened to it, it's really, really good. Really good talk really gets vulnerable and just shares her story and all the things that God has taught her through that particular struggle. One of our best episodes, I think. So this week, we're actually sharing an episode of Brenna's show called Can I Say That, where I was a guest. And she asked me to come on and talk about progressive Christianity. Brenna has this show called Can I Say That, where she's always tackling tough topics, kind of taboo topics in the church. And she asked me to come on the show And I was like, hey, Brennan, I'd love to talk about this, but you know I'm not a progressive Christian, right? Like I I identify as what you would call theologically conservative or orthodox. And she was like, yeah, no, I know you're not a progressive Christian. Neither am I, but I want to talk about this. And I feel like you would be a good guy to talk about this in a way that is gracious and in a way that is not demonizing of people who kind of fall into that camp. So I was really blessed that she asked me to be on, and I think it's a good conversation. Yeah, it was a really great conversation to listen to. I think you do a really good job laying out the term progressive Christian or progressive Christianity. It's a term that people import all kinds of different meanings into, and I think you do a good job explaining it in its simplest terms, in very gracious terms. You know, the heart behind this episode isn't to say, if you identify this way, we think you're an idiot. Like, there's nothing like that. It's really trying to grapple with, understand, and speak loving truth to a group of people who are trying to pursue Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I I see this as a topic that it's been around for a long time. We used to kind of call this the emergent church. Now it's just kind of changed to the label of progressive Christianity. It's kind of morphed and evolved. And a lot of people are really talking about this right now. And a lot of social media posts that I'm seeing are either Christians who are like, hey, we're progressive Christians and this is what it means. And here's why we're better than non-progressive Christians. And then I also see uh, usually a lot of angry posts or comments from more conservative Christians, theologically conservative, where it's like, oh, anybody who's progressive is just an idiot and the worst. And for me personally, I've known a lot of people that I've seen drift into this. Uh, I, I had former students of mine that have drifted into this. And I have valid, I have genuine concerns about it. So I want to bring those up, but I also want to do it in a way where hopefully it's, it's, it's seen as loving and gracious to those who are drifting into these views while still saying, Hey, like, I love you enough to tell you that I think that you're drifting into some dangerous territory. So yeah, I, I, I hope it's helpful to you guys listening. If you have any feedback or questions, send it in to us afterwards. Yeah, all great stuff. So our plan for today is we're going to jump right into that episode. You're going to hear the conversation between Aaron and Brenna, and then the two of us are going to jump back and unpack some of the things in that conversation. So let's jump to that episode. Sounds good. Hey, you're listening to Can I Say That? with Brenna and Austin Blaine. Hey friends, I'm glad you're here. Today we have a challenging one for you guys. Our friend Aaron Salvato came in to share about his personal opinions and observations about progressive Christianity. Maybe this topic of progressive versus conservative or fundamental Christianity is new to you, or maybe you've been really involved with this topic for a while. And although the focus is on progressive Christianity, I think Aaron raises some really 
good challenges for both people who fall into a progressive camp and for those who also fall into a fundamental camp. Erin is currently the founder and director of the Goodline Podcast Network, and so I'd love to invite you guys and encourage you guys to check out the shows that they have on there. They have a plethora. I don't think that I've actually ever used that word before. So there you go. A plethora of shows to choose from that will challenge and grow your faith. So one last thing before we get into this interview, if you are listening to this right now on Apple podcast, whether it's on your desktop or on your phone, would you scroll down and leave us a review? Let us know why do you listen to our show? And if you don't use Apple Podcasts or maybe you've already left a review, but you want to be a part of promoting the challenging conversations that we're having on this show, tag us on your Instagram story or your Facebook and let us know why you choose to be a part of the Can I Say That community. Every DM, every tag, every email we read and I was so impressed and excited and just honored by the way you guys shared our last episode so I want to say thank you truly from the bottom of my heart we are not sponsored we are not paid we do all of this because we feel called to and so every time that you share or give us a review or tell people to listen that grows our audience and grows our reach which means people who are just like you and me who have wondered and wrestled with, does God really care about these difficult issues or these taboo topics, can hear people having a conversation and find a sense of community knowing that God really does deeply care about our questions. All right, so Aaron, what is the definition of progressive Christianity? Is there even like a concrete definition? Because I know for a lot of people, it means different things. You know, I want to be really sensitive as I get into this because I don't want to sound like I'm preaching at anyone. I want to sound like I'm talking with you, the audience, and and you, Brenna. And I think, like, I'm guessing that there may be many progressive Christians listening to this, maybe. And so, you know, I want to speak with sensitivity and even be open to pushback and dialogue about it. So my definition for progressive Christianity would be this, just based on my personal experience with it. So it's not like the definition. This is just my definition. I would say it's Christianity that focuses on progressing away from any part of Christianity and the faith that it deems problematic and redefining Christianity to be more in line with a culturally progressive ideal. And I think in order to get there, progressive Christians sacrifice the authority of scripture and they trade it in for the authority of culture. And to me, that's the biggest danger in it. It's nothing new because it's, it's really the natural evolution of what it's been called like the emerging church movement or postmodern Christianity. There's always been in my mind, Christians that are more conservative, more fundamentalist, and then Christians that are a little bit more loose. And I think that looseness has kind of been repackaged lately as what we would call progressive Christianity. What are, what are the common marks or the common held beliefs when we look at progressive Christianity? I've got five, if that's okay. One mark I think would be a lowered view of the Bible. Um, Historically, Christians view the Bible as the word of God and authoritative for their lives. Progressive Christians, they often abandon those terms and they emphasize personal belief um, over biblical mandate. And I think if I was listening to this podcast and I was somebody who maybe leaned more progressive Christian, I would maybe listen to like, you know, me say that and be like, ah, this Aaron guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, that sounds like a, you know, a, a very extreme caricature. You know, you might be a progressive Christian and think like, oh, I take the Bible seriously. But from this is just my experience. I was talking to a friend of mine who would identify as a very progressive Christian. Right. And we were talking about some issue in the Bible. I can't even remember what the issue was, but I was saying like, well, hey, like this is what it says. And look at like the Greek and the Hebrew. And this is what the text, the text is actually saying. What do you say? And her response was like, you know what? Words don't actually have meaning. Words 
mean whatever we want them to. We put the meaning into the words and we define for ourselves um, what the interpretation is. And, you know, to me, it's it's frustrating because I think we always have to wonder, like, what is the intent of an author? Like, why did they write what they wrote? What was the purpose? Does a, does a stop sign mean stop, right? Like if, if someone puts up a stop sign, we would hope to interpret them correctly. Otherwise, if you think stop means go, you're going to get into a traffic accident. So, you know, for me, I'm fine. Like th- this is my thing. If somebody disagrees with me on something in the Bible, I'm not going to say, oh, you're, you're a progressive Christian because you disagree with me. If you can try to defend your disagreement from scripture, I'm fine to have that conversation about really anything. If we can talk about scripture and get into the nuance and debate of different interpretations. Uh, but if, if we just say, you know, this means whatever I choose it to, to me, that goes against everything that we know about any written work. I, you know, I think one thing I've seen progressive Christians do that is important is they point out that Jesus is the true word of God, right? They'll say things like, well, you know, the Bible's not the word of God. Uh, Jesus is the true word of God, like, you know, capital W word of God. And I think when we say the Bible is the word of God, we actually have conflict with the Bible because the Bible itself says that Jesus is the word of God. You know, God's message and truth to the world is Jesus, but like the Bible is the vehicle that God chose to communicate that truth. <laughs> like the Bible is God's words. It's God's words about his word, Jesus. And that's where the authority comes from. It's the words he chooses to say and the story he chooses to tell and you know the meaning of all life and eternity is like bound up in those scriptures so they're very important so that's the first one i'll just say really quickly that um i am not an expert on this i mean i didn't even like go to seminary i did one semester of bible college the the reason that this topic interests me is i spent 10 years as a youth pastor uh, around about 10 years and i watched a lot of my former students drift into this and so you know, I was raised more conservative politically. I don't really identify as a political conservative or liberal. Theologically, though, I would consider myself conservative, but called to be open-minded perspectives of others, if that makes sense. And watching some of my students drift into progressive Christianity, I've seen some good things that have come out of that, but then I've seen actually a lot of negative things. So it's out of it's really out of love that I'm interested in this topic because I I don't want to see people drift into directions I would think would be harmful, if that makes sense. So the second marking of progressive Christianity would be feelings are emphasized over truth. So it's this idea of personal experience and feelings and opinions tend to be valued above objective truth. Um, The Bible stops being viewed as God's definitive word. And it's what a person feels to be true becomes the ultimate authority for faith and and practice. And I'm sure that every Christian has at times read something in the Bible and wrestled with it and said, like, I don't like that. Like, have have you ever read something in the Bible and been like, oh, of course, like this morning. (laughs) What was it? Thinking about suffering in the, the fact that God still calls us to be faithful to him while we are in the midst of suffering. Yeah, that's not fun. (laughs) Um, For me, like I personally don't like hell, honestly. Like I would love to see everyone saved. Like I actually, I I don't know if this is controversial to say, but I, I actually wish universalism was true. But as I study scripture, I can't deny the Bible seems to say a lot about final judgment. And it, it seems that even though God wishes that none would perish, the Bible tells us some would. So, you know, for me, it's like, man, even though I have these feelings about hell, my feelings on the matter don't really trump what the scripture says. So there's a lot of respectable like debate and nuance about what hell is and isn't, you know, when you get into like the nitty gritty of like, are the flames real or is it some metaphorical, metaphysical, crazy spiritual realm thing? But like most historical church scholarship through Christianity's existence would affirm the idea of hell and final judgment. So yeah, it's one of those things for me where it's like, you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwaters. That's uh, the second one. The third one is essential Christian doctrines are open for reinterpretation. There's a progressive author named John Pavlitz who said, there are no sacred cows in progressive Christianity. Tradition and dogma and doctrine are all fair game because they all pass through the hands of flawed humanity. So it's this idea of like, well, you know, God is true, but the Bible was written by humans. So like, can we really trust it? Like, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Or or a big one today would be, um, you know, the church's historic position on sexuality is like archaic and 
uh, it doesn't fit with our modern framework. So we need to update it based on the modern framework that we get. That's the third one. The fourth one would be uh, historic terms being redefined, you know? So it's like the terms that we have seen throughout our life in scripture, like love, you know, God is love. Well, we move from what the scripture says about God is love to instead assuming, well, if God is love, then he wouldn't actually punish sinners, right? Or like, well, the Bible is authoritative, but, you know, we've misunderstood it for the first 2000 years or, or even like, you know, with sin, like, oh, it's not our job to talk to anyone about sin. It's our job to just love them. And it's like, here's the thing. And I'll talk more about this later. Progressive Christianity, a lot of times is a reaction to far extreme legalistic fundamentalism where you have Christians just being so harsh and hateful uh, and and angry towards sinners and and also self-righteous and hypocritical and judgmental. And so, you know, man, I've talked to young people who were just bashed for the dumbest things. Like young people where it's like, I went to church and because I was dressed in all black and, you know, like I'm, I talked to this one girl, you know, who's kind of like a goth, you know, and because she had, you know, dyed her hair black and wore black lipstick and nail polish, it's like, the people at church talked to her at this, you know, very fundamentalist church and treated her like she was trash and this horrible subhuman uh, person. That's just one snapshot of an example, right? Like where people are treated harm, or they're, they're harmed, they're treated horribly in a church setting, which sadly happens all the time. So then people, they pivot really far to the left progressive and they say, well, because I was mistreated and I was unloved by somebody that makes me think because God is love, he just would accept anything and everything. And I, it, it's never my job to call anyone out on their sin. Uh, it's just my call to love and accept people. It's like, my frustration is, can't we have both? Like, can't we love and accept people, but then also love them enough to say, Hey, I, you're walking off a cliff, man. Like, I don't want you to walk off that cliff. Like come back on the shore, you know, with me. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I think it, it goes with this idea of Jesus who meets us with radical embrace, but also calls us to a, a radical obedience. You're hitting the nail on the head. Yeah, Jesus doesn't just come down and say, if you love me, you'll love me and I'll love you. <laughs> he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And it's not like Jesus, this domineering, legalistic, like I've got the, you know, I've, I'm making a list and checking it twice. Like Santa, I've got my rules and I'm making sure you're keeping every one. It's Jesus saying, I am a shepherd trying to keep sheep from walking off a cliff. I am trying to lead them to like paradise, green pastures. And I just need them to listen to what I say because I know what's best. And so, yeah, that's, that's going back to what I said. It's the authority piece. It's progressive Christianity oftentimes doesn't want the authority of Jesus. They just want the love of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you need both. You need my love and you need my authority. And then this is the last one, the fifth one. Uh, the heart of the gospel message uh, shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. And uh, by the way, I, I got all these five points from uh, Elisa Childers, um, who has done some great work on this. So look her up. She's got great stuff. But so she points out the heart in progressive Christianity, the heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. Let me say this. I don't think the problem is social justice itself. I don't think social justice should be a dirty word. Um, although it often, do you, I mean, do you find that it is in the church that people like really get bent out of shape when you say social justice? I think in very conservative circles, social justice is looked at as a, as a false gospel. And in some ways it is when that's what we buy into. But then in other ways, I see like what you're probably going to explain that it really is within the, the threads of our gospel. You're again, you're hitting it right on the head. So it's like, although there's this modern secular progressive idea of social justice that I feel like has strayed away from the original idea of it, the term social justice has Christian roots and the idea of social justice. I mean, it was, it was Jesuit priests that were the first ones that started using this term and the idea of social justice in its earliest forms is rooted in the Hebrew old Testament ideals of justice and mercy and righteousness. And that's a whole, I could do a whole episode on that, but you know, treating everyone around you, the idea is treating everyone around you, regardless of their wealth or class or power as if they're made in the image of God and then being willing to do 
the same thing Yahweh does, you know, our God, right? Yahweh and bend over backwards to show mercy to someone who doesn't even deserve it. And, you know, the church that I work, used to work at, right? Calvary Vista, they were doing biblical social justice, even though they would never call it that because, you know, <laughs> they were very conservative politically. And so to them, it's a dirty word because of the way Fox News frames it. Um, but they, they were doing homeless ministry and they had a, an open door policy. Any homeless person could come in and get food. We had a food pantry and we would sometimes clothe them with clothes that other people had donated. We'd give them water. We'd give them a Bible. We'd talk with them. We'd pray with them. Sometimes we'd help them financially. So we had this amazing social justice ministry. And then on top of that, you know, we're helping widows and orphans and visiting the sick. So social justice is actually a good thing when it's done biblically. The problem is when it becomes the emphasis in the early 20th century in the United States and Canada, there was something called the social gospel movement. And it was this idea that moved from like preaching the gospel so that lives become transformed and, and people live out the gospel in their communities after their lives become transformed once you become saved and become a follower of Jesus, ideally you should start doing social justice. You should start living out the gospel in your neighborhood and loving everybody you come in contact with and even, you know, advocating for the poor and the oppressed, right? That's a good thing. But the idea of the social gospel was instead of preaching the gospel so lives become transformed, it was focusing on trying to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth through action and activism and environmentalism and racial justice and uh, progressive sexual activism. And some of those things may be good and needed, but without the gospel giving people a chance to turn and repent of sin and without teaching the authority of King Jesus, you're left with the kingdom without the king, which is what Mark Sayers loves to say, and I love that. It's putting the cart before the horse. And there's a there's a missionary I was listening to, and he summed this up perfectly. I can't remember who this was, but he was talking about how in the 60s, um, he would go on these organized missions trips, but it was with this missions agency that was much more progressive Christian social gospel. And so they would go and they would feed the hungry and they would uh, give them clothes, right? But they never preached the gospel to them. And he was like, so really what we're doing is we're giving them a full belly and a warm coat on the way to their journey to hell. And, and he was saying that if we don't give them the gospel, then nothing else matters. We should give them food. We should give them clothes, but we have to give them uh, the gospel. So that's the five, the five points. Uh, don't thank me. Think, thank Alyssa. I just expanded on her thoughts. So I'm a huge advocate for people being able to do their own research and their own journey of trying to figure out, okay, what do I believe? Or have I been believing something that isn't really biblical truth? So I think something important I need to ask is who are some of the prominent progressive Christian leaders and authors and speakers that many Christians listen to today? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've known some of these guys and I did a little bit of research today on this. Um, it's worth looking into, especially if you have a heart like mine, where you want to be a missionary to more progressive people. And I, and I think uh, we, we, we far too often can write off people and say like, oh, I don't want anything to do with it. I think, no, like learn about their world. So here, here are different ways you can learn. Um, one would be Rob Bell, a hugely controversial guy. He was in the evangelical world, pastor, and then, uh, you know, he kept pushing the boundaries through his books and preaching. And then the bubble burst when he wrote the book, uh, Love Wins. And he sort of made this argument of, um, I think it was hell not existing. And uh, he was very open to the idea of universalism, which, you know, is the idea that everyone will be saved. And no matter what, you know, no matter what sin, uh, even if you don't accept Jesus, you'll be saved. And so, um, yeah, that that was one. He's, he's very popular in the progressive Christian movement. Um, have you heard of Shane Claiborne? Claiborne? So he's a Christian activist. He's actually written some really engaging stuff. He's got some interesting stuff on the death penalty. Um, he's got a book called Executing Grace. Another guy is Pete Enns. He's a biblical scholar who uh, was suspended from his teaching job at Westminster Seminary for writing a book about evangelicals and the problems of the Old Testament. And he focuses a lot on pointing out contradictions in the Bible. And then um, another guy, or not guy, sorry, another girl uh, would be Rachel Held Evans. Came onto the scene in 2010. 
she wrote this book called uh, Evolving in Monkey Town. <laughs> it's been renamed as uh, Faith Unraveled, but she documents, you know, her her own journey of faith deconstruction and then reconstruction. And she spent a lot of her adult life challenging the harmful role that she believed conservative American culture played in Christianity. And uh, she has four popular books and talks, and uh, she was on Twitter a lot. And uh, she called for, uh, one of the things she constantly called for was like an intersectional approach to Christianity that embraced uh, people of color and LGBTQ people and women and all roles of the church. And so that was kind of her, uh, her MO. So I think you, you kind of already touched on this when you're going through your points, but in your personal opinion, does progressive Christianity fall within the lines of biblical Christianity? If we're saying the Bible is authoritative and that's what dictates how we live our life. And why or why not do you believe that? So I think there are many things that progressive Christians emphasize that I think are good things. Uh, that more cons- the more conservative wing of the faith has often failed to recognize. But I think this is the problem. Any version of Christianity that does not hold Jesus as revealed through the scriptures as the authority is dangerous. And I think we have to be able to acknowledge the things that are baseline beliefs of our faith. If we throw out the authority of scripture, we're going to be left with a faith that is just based on the opinions of different Christians and pastors. And so my former youth pastor is a guy named uh, Evan Wickham. He's been a really good friend and mentor to me over the years. And uh, I follow him on social media and he's always dropping wise things on there. And uh, he made a really good point once. He was talking about the difference between fundamentals and fundamentalism. Uh, He said the fundamentals are just basic baseline substances of things. Like he's a musician. So he says uh, the fundamentals of music is music theory. It addresses the question, what is music fundamentally? And, And hopefully by the end of Music 101, we're going to agree on what middle C is. As relative and flexible and undefinable as art can be, if you and I disagree on what the key of C is, then our band is gonna suck. And then he talks about fundamentalism, which is something many who are progressive Christians ran away from because they found fundamentalist Christianity to be abusive and harsh and harmful. And so uh, this is what Evan says. Fundamentalism is often not a commitment to the fundamentals, but a pre-commitment to only see things from a harsh, rigid and unflinching point of view. It doesn't educate. It only indoctrinates fundamentalism decides before the discussion even starts. And then like, here's the fascinating thing to me in his view, harsh, hyper conservative Christianity and hyper progressive Christianity are just two sides of the same fundamentalist coin. He says, contrary to popular opinion, fundamentalism isn't just a conservative thing. It's prevalent on the progressive end of the spectrum as well, though it looks different. So he's like, he uses this example. Uh, Conservatives would say, either accept our old-fashioned, truly spirit-led version of church or you're out. But then progressives say, either accept our modern, truly inclusive sexual ethic or you're out. And then he says, uh, fundamentalism leans legalistic. In conservative fundamentalism, legalism often manifests as moral rules beyond biblical commands. And like the examples are almost endless. Uh, He talks about growing up in conservative evangelicalism in the 1980s, both drinking and dancing were like forbidden and would get you booted from the tribe, despite, you know, plenty of scriptures pointing to the beauty and goodness of both like uh, dancing and drinking in moderation without getting drunk. So he says, this is textbook legalism. But interestingly, this fundamentalist legalism is becoming just as prevalent in religious progressivism, though it takes different forms. So he says, in progressive legalism, if a person does not pay Uh, respect to the moral superiority of individual authenticity and self-expression, then that person is in danger of getting booted from the tribe. In progressive legalism, the self is the ultimate arbiter of morality and telling another person no is the ultimate evil, which will then get you booted from the tribe. This is simply fundamentalism from the left side of the coin. I just... I thought that was brilliant when I read it. And I was like, I've I've got to steal that and read that on the show. You used the phrase earlier, eat the meat, spit out the bones. So what are some things that you think progressive Christians do well that conservative Christians could learn from them? 
That's a good question. One thing is they're willing to deconstruct. And I think that actually can be a good thing. So I think we all grow up in traditions of faith, every one of us. Um, I grew up in the Calvary Chapel movement, which I'm super grateful for. Well, I think everybody who grew up in the church, at some point you're going you're gonna to face the reality that one of your leaders got something wrong. Um, you know, whether it was a Sunday school teacher or a youth pastor or a senior pastor or a small group leader, like you're going to face that somebody at some point is going to teach you something that's not actually in line with scripture. And it's more their own opinion or just maybe uh, their own, you know, twisting of something, or maybe someone taught them something wrong. Like, like here's case in point. This is really fringe, but there's literally Christians out there who believe and teach <laughs> that Christian men must show their dominance and leadership in the home by spanking their wives when their wives disobey them and are disrespectful, which, I mean, I can laugh at it, but it's also really toxic and, and bad. <laughs> like in my humble opinion, I think it's easily refutable by scripture that like that, that is not right. <laughs> that's not what the Bible's calling us to do. And so I think that's where deconstruction is key, right? Man, I'm, I was trying, I was talking to a friend about this the other day and it's like <sighs> progressives love to deconstruct but they don't do a lot of proper reconstruction. It's like they burn the house down and then they go and find another house. And my thing is like, like for instance, it'd be like if, if, I, if, I, if I had this house and it was a good house, but then inside the house, I found termites, right? Like I found something in the house that wasn't right, a pest. The proper thing to do is to call the exterminator. Don't destroy your house. Like go and fix what's broken with the house, go repair what's wrong with it. But with progressivism, what we do is we burn because we had a problem here with this theology and with that thing. And someone was rude to us in this way. Oftentimes we burn the entire thing down and then we move into this entirely new and different form of Christianity. And uh, I think that's where uh, the danger is. So like I said, deconstruction is good, but the goal should always be to build your faith back up stronger, identify what's wrong and then replace it with what's right. And Man, I think another thing that progressive Christians do well that I would commend them for and that I I want to adopt into like my own ministry and I want to continue to is um, empathy and compassion for those who are in sin. And I just think like a prime example is uh, the LGBT community. Uh, many in the church during, you know, the 70s and 80s and 90s did a terrible job with uh, the LGBT community you know, making them feel like they're the worst of the worst. I, man, I've, I remember sitting in one sermon when I was, uh, I was going to a friend's church and there was a friend, uh, there who I knew was, um, he, he was, he was a gay guy. And, um, the pastor was talking about homosexuality in a way that just made anybody struggling with that feel like they were the worst of the worst. And I was just like, what are we doing? Like, we don't talk about any other sins this way with every other sin. It's like we're preaching with, you know, the idea of hope and repentance and renewal and help. But with this one sin, it's like, man, we talk about it as if it's the, like, if you struggle with it, you're this freak. And, and I just think that's so sad. I think, I think we need to acknowledge, right. There's a difference between uh, temptation and acting on it, right? Like if somebody comes to you as a pastor and says like, you know, hey, pastor, I'm struggling with um, these temptations to treat them like they are in some horrible sin because they're tempted sexually, just as like in the same way straight people deal with te sexual temptation. That doesn't mean that they're this horrible, broken person. Um, the, I, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine one time and he said at his church, there was a young boy who uh, was struggling with homosexual tendencies and the mom went to one of the other pastors of the church, uh, one of the assistant pastors and was like, Hey, uh, my son is struggling with this. What do I do? And the pastor said, shame him, like mock him, make fun of him, like just call him horrible names until he basically decides to go back to being straight. And it's just like, oh, it kills me. And, and so the progressive side of it, they're very inclusive and open and, and loving to people struggling with these things. But then the problem for me is they abandon the idea of sin. And it's just, it's so hard because it's an extreme reaction, right? To, to that very harsh conservative way of thinking. But to me, it's like, it's, there's two sides to it. Like 
progressive Christians tend to say, I don't feel like God would make this a sin. So it isn't. And like my problem with that is if something is sin in scripture, we should care because sin hurts people's relationship with God. But for those of us who are theologically conservative, the response to that sin should be truth in love. Like we've been shown grace. We are called to show it to others. We are sinners saved by grace. So who are we to like come down on anyone else? LGBT people aren't the enemy. They are people who need Jesus just like us. And, and I think they should feel like Christians, especially non-affirming Christians like that, you know, for us as non-affirming Christians, I think we need to be bending over backwards to show LGBTQ people love and friendship and grace and mercy while still being willing to like point out that sin when the conversation comes up in the most gentle, loving way. Like, and I'll just say this to, um, man, what I wish someone would have taught me about when I was growing up was the Christians who struggle with same sex attraction. And yet they choose to live a life of committing to follow what Jesus says about sexuality no one told me about that. I, I didn't, I didn't even know that existed until much later. And uh, it's just so important for Christians to know about that, for, like, especially young Christians. I, I remember one time, um, at a youth group event, um, there was a bunch of my high school boys and they were making gay jokes and like mocking gay people. And I pulled them aside and just took, I, we went into my car, you know, there was about three or four of them. And I said, Hey guys, let's go have a talk, you know, away from the other kids, a private talk. And so I, I put them in my car and I just was like, Hey guys, like imagine that I, as your youth pastor said to you, I'm coming to you and telling you that scripture says that your attraction to women is actually not according to God's plan and design. And you can't act on it. If you want to follow Jesus, you can't act on that attraction. So that means you can't get married to a woman. You can't have sex one day. You can't have kids one day. Like you just have to pick up your cross and follow Jesus would you guys still want to be Christians? And they were honest and they were like, uh, I would, it would be really hard to be a Christian if, if that was what we were called to like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know if I could do it. And I was like, that is what our LGBTQ friends who are following Jesus and the historic Christian sexual ethic, that's what they have to deal with. Like their life is so much harder than yours. And so to like mock, just, I was like, guys, come on, we've got to have grace. We've got to understand like the hard road these people have in their life. And we have to understand like there is that minority, that remnant that are being called out of that lifestyle and and, and they're following Jesus and they're being self-sacrificial and, and, and they're, they're dying to themselves in ways that you and I could never imagine. And so really like we should be honoring them, not, mocking them like what so it was a light bulb moment for the guys and it's just been a blessing to see how they've changed in their their viewing of that but yeah more empathy more empathy more compassion i think is very needed before we end if you were if you had the opportunity to sit down with a friend who identifies as a progressive christian and they said hey what's one challenge that you would give to me as a progressive christian what would that be Man, if I was sitting down with somebody who was struggling with feeling like they're more of a progressive Christian, I guess I would say this. If you've been hurt by religion or fundamentalism or legalism, I am so, 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 so sorry. But my encouragement would be two wrongs don't make a right. Just because Christians in your life may have twisted scripture to hurt you it doesn't mean that scripture no longer holds authority or, or place or value in your life. God wrote what he wrote because he desperately loves you and he's working daily to rescue and redeem everything that's broken. And I think progressives, you know, even secular non-Christian ones, one of the things that, that marks them is they long for this world free from oppression, free from greed, free from sexism and racism and shame free from re, uh, religious legalism, poverty, uh, free from abuse of power and corrupt authorities, free of war and violence. And, and that longing, it's not like, oh, that's just what the liberals want. No, like that longing is good and godly. Everyone should want a world free from that stuff. That longing is good and godly, but you won't find a satisfaction to that longing either on the right or the left. 
you'll only find it in the true person of Jesus and in the kingdom that he is bringing. And the kingdom that you desire is the kingdom that he is promising and that he will bring. Like he is going to free the world of all of that garbage, all of the stuff that progressives fight against in the secular realm. He is working to free us in the spiritual and in the physical realm. But you can't have the kingdom without the king. It doesn't exist. And it's just going to be an earthly, empty version of the kingdom. And I can think of like several personal friends of mine who started their faith journey in conservative fundamentalism and they got hurt and they drifted to progressive Christianity. And now a few years later, they find themselves as atheists and agnostics. And some of those friends, they, they used to be pastors and that's just, that's just real. Like it's an extremely common progression. Um, are you familiar with uh, John Mark Comer? So he said this, um, he says, I would with a lot of humility argue that progressive theology kills church long-term. It kills faith long-term. It kills discipleship to Jesus long-term, especially if you don't even believe that the writings of the New Testament and the four gospels are in any way, shape or form authoritative. And just when I heard him say that, like, I want to pass that on. Like, I hope I don't sound like some stuffy, you know, super conservative fundamentalist. Cause I'm, I'm not, I've seen a lot of the pain that, that, that rigid mentality has caused people. I think we need to be open-minded. We need to be empathetic, but I think we also need to, to carry what we believe is true. And, and so my encouragement to, to you listening to this, if you're leaning more progressive is not, you know, that you need to double down into fundamentalism or to drift uh, to progressivism, but be willing to face the pain in your religious past and identify what was untrue, toss it overboard, chew up the meat, spit out the bones, and then hold on to what is true. And, and even this, I would encourage you, pray with an open heart to Jesus. Jesus, if there's anything about my current expression of Christianity that is not actually good or right, please show me what that is. And I would tell a conservative fundamentalist to like pray the same thing. And it's what I would tell myself to pray. Um, be open to the working of Jesus and be open to him guiding you towards his true kingdom and away from any earthly kingdoms that we try to build for ourselves. And this is the last thing I would say. Progressive Christianity is the easy answer to legalistic fundamentalism, but it's not the right answer. If you encountered some falsehoods in your faith or misrepresentations of Jesus in your faith, the answer is not to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, nothing really matters. Truth is relevant. Scripture says whatever I want it to. The answer when facing doubts and discouragements in the life of faith is to embark on a lifelong journey of discovery of who Jesus is. Steady, learn, blow up false paradigms and replace them with more faithful ones, but do it all under the authority of King Jesus. Because Without him, like all, all you have is an empty kingdom of your own making, basically, is what I would say. So I just have a few recommendations for just anyone who maybe you're leaning a little bit more progressive Christian, or maybe you've struggled with fundamentalism and you're looking for Christian voices that will speak to you where you're at. Um, these are some great resources where I would not call these progressive Christians at all. I would, they're, they're orthodox. Um, but they are speaking to the culture in a way that I feel like is so inviting and, and open. And it's not, you know, the, the preacher beating you over the, the head with the Bible. It's, um, it's much more welcoming. And so I would just encourage you to check out one, uh, the Bible project. Um, I've learned more from those guys than I did at Bible college. It's just fantastic resource of it, it's these YouTube videos that, really paint the picture that the whole Bible is about Jesus and points to Jesus and just some brilliant minds. Dr. Tim Mackey from Western Seminary is a genius and I appreciate him so much. So Bridgetown Church in Portland with Pastor John Mark Comer. Um, just you, you heard his quote earlier in the episode, but he's a fantastic preacher. Um, Preston Sprinkle is uh, just this amazing theological mind who he is a non-affirming guy when it comes to gender and sexuality. He, he holds the historic Christian stance, but he is one of the most willing to bend over backwards to love LGBTQ people that I've ever seen. He wrote a book called People to Be Loved, specifically about uh, LGBTQ people. 
fantastic resource. And then Dominic Doan from uh, Westside at Jesus Church, he wrote a book called uh, When Faith Fails that's all about doubt and uh, helping Christians work through their doubts and insecurities about the faith. And then uh, just shout out to my former youth pastor, Evan Wickham, and his church, uh, Park Hill Church in San Diego. The sermons are so filled with grace and mercy uh, and, and truth. And so I would encourage any of you guys to check out these resources. So that was the conversation that Aaron had with Brenna on the Can I Say That show about progressive Christianity. And there's so much to unpack within that. And to me, the thing that immediately jumps out is how interesting it is that people interpret belief systems through life experience. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it, it seems like there's a lot of reasons why someone might become interested in progressive Christianity, but a recurring theme, you, you, it's a theme that you've seen. It's a theme that we heard John Mark Comer speak about. I think you brought in a quote from him on this. Uh, and I've heard a lot of other influential pastors say very similar things where a lot of times people get hurt by someone they consider to be a leader in an orthodox or more conservative Christian movement. And they assume that this hurt must be a natural product of mm. conservatism. Yeah. And so to protect myself from that hurt, I need to push away from that conservative belief. Is that a fair way to, to put it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're hitting something there. I feel like for those of us on the more theologically conservative side, there can be, I'm, I'm seeing right now in the, on the internet, especially like on a lot of apologetics, Instagram accounts and YouTube channels, there is a, a huge amount of pushback against progressive Christianity right now, which I think makes sense for conservatives to do. But sometimes I feel like there can be this attitude towards progressive Christians where it's like, oh, well, well they're just being rebellious. You know, they're just, hmm. they, they just want to sin and they don't respect God and they just decided one day to be rebels and they decided that they were going to create a version of Christianity that works for them. And while I do think that they are falling into the trap of worshiping a God that's kind of made more in your own image which is something that is very easy to do on the other side as well, to ignore scripture and to come up with a God that thinks the way that we do on every single issue. I don't think that it happened just a lot of times. I mean, every person is different, but I don't think a lot of times it's a product of just straight rebellion. I think it is a product of you were hurt, you were mistreated, you were maybe even abused. And so it's like the house of cards of Christianity falls around you and your response is then like, oh man, how do I hold on to my faith? And that's where progressive Christianity kind of has its arms wide open to someone mm -hmm. like that. But what I was trying to say, and I, I think I said this on the show, but it's like, if, if you have termites in your house, don't burn your house down and buy a new house. Eliminate the termites. Like, that's the thing. If there's problems in your faith, if there's problems in the way that you were raised in your faith, if there was horrible things that happened in your past don't throw the baby out with the bathwater is what I was trying to say. Yeah. And I completely agree with that line of thinking. And where I'm coming from in this conversation, I would not consider myself a progressive Christian. I think that there are real dangers uh, that you very well pointed out in your conversation with Brenna. And so thinking about this from the conservative side, I want to find ways in which conservative Christianity can do a better job reaching across the aisle to progressive Christians. When I think about just those terms, conservative and progressive, they come to us with so much baggage. Yeah. You, know, you, you can't hear those words and not think politics to some degree. Right. And when I think about, you brought up the way that Christian apologists kind of attack progressive Christianity. To me, it's no different than the way that conservative talk show hosts speak about progressive politics. You know, I think about, I think it's the famous Ben Shapiro line of facts don't care about your feelings. Right. It's yeah. this idea of, well, you're just all caught up in what you feel. So let me just, you know, thump you over the head with some truth. And that's me doing my job. And 
Right. That's a really dangerous approach for Christians to take, mostly because it's not the approach that Jesus took. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with you. I feel like there's so many people right now in our culture wars where they want to put themselves into a category and say, this is my team. So for a lot of people, when you say conservative Christian, it means you get, you get this idea of somebody where their politics are, it's very right wing. And, and same thing with progressive Christianity. It's this idea where it's all tied up in politics. For me, I use the term theologically conservative Christian or even theologically orthodox, because I think to me, that's, that's more faithful. We've talked about this before, but when it comes to politics, for me, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm trying to look at every political issue that I see of the day through the lens of not the left or the right, but of Christ. So there's times where my views on things going on in the world are too conservative for my liberal friends, but there's also times where things that I think and and feel based on my understanding of scripture, I'm interpreting events in the world through scripture. And sometimes my friends who are more on the conservative side, they, they would label me as more progressive. And I would say, Hey, listen, I'm not on either one of those teams. I'm just trying to look at these issues through the lens of Christ. And I like what John Mark Comer says when he says that if we're truly following Christ, we're going to make people on the left and the right uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's such a great way of looking at it. And I, I think that that's one thing that I would want to try to hit on for people listening that would classify themselves as progressive Christians. I would just encourage everyone focus much more on the Christian part of that label than on the progressive or the conservative or the orthodox. Right. Totally. Because when you focus on those cultural labels, it's like you're, you're putting the cart before the horse. If you think I have to be a conservative Christian or I have to be a progressive Christian, you're going to let either conservative political values or progressive political values drive your faith. And you're not going to be able to see issues apart from that lens. You need to have a kingdom of God lens first and see everything else through that. Yeah. If the real goal is, I just want to find the Jesus that's laid out for us in scripture. I just want to find how I can be more faithful to the God of the Bible. Then at times you're going to, like you're saying, at times you'll get called progressive. At times you'll get called conservative. I think that when we just submit ourselves to the authority of scripture and we try to read it and get it for its most plain sense, for the sense that the authors intended for us to get. And and it's work to do that. It's not easy to do that. We won't arrive at it perfectly. But when that's our goal, it becomes a lot easier to put those other things aside. Because sometimes we really do get caught up on like the fringe labels. Like I I can think (laughs) all the time. I I grew up in New Jersey. It's a super Catholic state. And one of the things that was always interesting growing up in a Calvary Chapel, a non-denominational Bible teaching church, we felt a very strong divide between our church and Catholicism. And a lot of that was super warranted. There's a lot of different beliefs. There's a lot of different practices. There's there are a number of things that made the church that I grew up in very different from the Catholic church. Like you don't pray to Mary. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) yeah, there uh, among many other things. Um, Right. But I would hear people talk about Catholicism the same way they would talk about Mormonism or atheism or being a Jehovah's Witness. And to me, I think it's really important that we actually figure out what the shades of difference actually are, because otherwise you can end up talking with someone where they agree with 95% of what you believe and you just get focused on that 5%. Like sometimes... Like the difference between a conservative Christian and a progressive Christian is how many times you posted about black lives mattering on Instagram and all the other beliefs are the same. And you're just missing that one little thing. And it's like, is that really worth dividing the body of Christ over? Yeah. And and so this is something where I think we need to not be so closed minded and tribal because to me, what I am seeing is people like you and I who would look at a topic like abortion and say, hey, that's wrong. Like that is, at least in my mind, I don't know if you'd agree, but to me, I would. This, and it, it's, it's not just in our country, it's worldwide. It's the equivalent of 
Old Testament child sacrifice. It's it's sacrificing a human child because it is inconvenient or you think that it's going to benefit your life in some way to get rid of uh, an unwanted pregnancy. And yeah, there's a lot of nuance to that conversation. We should do a whole episode about it. But it is it is murder in my mind, and it's something that I'm very much against in the sense of wanting it to be the, the norm uh, for society. But just holding that stance is enough where somebody who might be more progressive would look at us and say, oh my gosh, so you guys are just like the most far-right, right-wing, fundamentalist Christian, mm-hmm. and and you obviously believe all of these other really horrible, abusive tactics of how to lead a church, and you're misogynistic, and you hate women, and all this stuff, right? And, and that's where the tribal thinking comes in. And in the same way, you know, I've seen pastors where in our cultural moment right now, everybody's debating about, you know, racism and abortion, kind of pitting them against one another is like, which is a more important topic for you to care about. And the way it's being positioned is like, you know, everybody who's the conservative Christian, like we care about abortion. And then everybody who's the progressive Christians, we care about racism. And to me, it's like, well, I care about racism too. If I see racism, if I learn about some new way of understanding racism that maybe I was blind to before because, like I've said in other episodes, I'm a white kid who grew up in a a white environment and didn't really think about racism because I didn't have to. When I learned something new about it, me sharing that knowledge or trying to speak to it from a biblical lens is not all of a sudden, oh, now I'm a progressive Christian. And I'm getting fired up right now a little bit because I take it personally because I have been called a social justice warrior and a progressive Christian and a Marxist for literally just expressing some pretty basic fundamental, I would say, biblical ideas of why God doesn't approve of racism and prejudice. But that's what the tribal thinking these days gets you. Yeah, I think that is... And this is true for our conversation on progressive Christianity. It's also true just in our culture right now. So many things are not being meticulously argued and Mm. discussed as much as we're finding if you're guilty by association. We need to pull out of the, as soon as you hear one piece of something from somebody, you just, you feel like you can autofill all the rest about them. And what I love about Jesus, I, I think about, his encounter with the woman at the well in John four. And right when that encounter started getting personal, when Jesus says to the woman, Hey, go get your husband. And she's like, Oh, I don't have one. He's like, yeah, you're right. You've had five. And the guy you're with right now, isn't your husband once, you know, he really strikes a chord there. And her defense is actually to go back to tribalism. Mm, Her defense is to say, okay, well, all right, Mr. Prophet, like you Jews say this, this, and this about worship us Mm. Samaritans say this, this, and this, what's it going to be? And, and she tries to reestablish tribal lines. Mm, and Jesus yeah. doesn't let that happen. Jesus mm. does not stop speaking to her as an individual. He mm. doesn't go off and blast Samaritan theology. He doesn't go off and say, well, here's how all of your prophets have been wrong. He doesn't do any of that. He says, hey, all that stuff, let's leave to the side. Right now, God wants people that will worship in spirit and in truth. Will you be one of those people? Hmm. I think there's such a lesson for us in that to push past the tribal divides that really quickly come up, because as long as you don't take that bait, they can also pretty quickly come down. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I think... One, one thing that we're talking about has got me thinking, if I can circle back to like the definition of what a progressive Christian actually is. Mm-hmm. And again, like that's like, that is something that when you throw out that question, there's so many different meanings that people can take, right? What is a conservative Christian? What does that mean? Are we talking politically? Are we talking theologically? Like, wh- like what are your definitions? For me, when I'm thinking through a progressive Christian, the working definition that I'm kind of running with is not somebody who has any progressive leaning political views Mm -hmm. on economy or marriage or like whatever, you know, the, how to handle the poor. When I talk about a progressive Christian, the working definition I'm coming with is somebody who basically is saying, I have progressed away from what the Bible teaches. And I want to now have my own understanding of what these words mean and my own definitions that fit the way that I want to see the world. And that's the danger. 
to me of mm-hmm. progressive Christianity. So I don't think we need to go on a witch hunt for anybody who has views that seem progressive in any way and call them a progressive Christian. I don't think that's charitable at all. I do think what we need to be on the lookout is, is somebody appealing to the authority of scripture? Because we have to remember, right? Like the Bible project teaches the Bible is one story that points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus, but the Bible is what helps us get there and what helps us see it. And Jesus himself takes the Bible very seriously. You can't throw out the old Testament because it was Jesus's Bible. So I think one of the things that I touched on when I had my conversation with Brenna is that one of the core aspects of progressive Christianity tends to be the idea of liberal theology. So here's one of the definitions I found for that. Liberal theology is a movement that interprets and reforms Christian teaching by taking into consideration modern knowledge, science, and ethics. It emphasizes the importance of reason and experience over doctrinal authority. Now, just stop for a second. Think about what I'm saying. Am I saying that modern knowledge, science, and ethics are inherently evil? No, not at all. What is wrong with the scenario is emphasizing the importance of those things and reason and experience over doctrinal authority. Basically, one core example of this that we would see would just be if modern knowledge, science, and ethics tells us that abortion is acceptable and totally fine and actually a moral good for women to have access to, then despite what scripture says and doctrinal authority says, we push that stuff down and actually elevate what modern society and culture says. That's the issue with liberal theology. So that's a modern example that we would most likely associate with the political left because they are the ones that champion it. But I just want to point something out for those of us who consider ourselves theological conservatives and, yeah, even political conservatives or libertarians or anything that's not the left, right? It's easy to critique liberal theology underneath the banner of liberal politics because we think they go hand in hand. What I would like to point out is it is actually easy for somebody who is a conservative to actually practice liberal theology. And what I mean by liberal theology in that sense is theology that does not appeal to the authority of scripture, but theology that actually takes its cues from modern knowledge and science and ethics. And you can do this on the political side of modern science and knowledge and ethics, and you can also do this on the conservative side. I remember one time I was having a theological discussion with a guy on Facebook, which is a great place to have a theological discussion. And we were trying to discuss the ethics of war in the Middle East from a Christian perspective. And the stance he ended up taking was, in his mind, in his theology, he believed that God would bless America even if it attacked and bombed and invaded another country to take that country's oil. He said, basically, America is God's special chosen country, and so God wants us to be so blessed that he would totally sign off on us going and taking somebody else's oil and killing a bunch of people in the process. And when I tried to ask him to justify this through scripture, he didn't point to scripture. He pointed to talking points on the news and political pundits of the day. And he was mixing some things in scripture, but completely divorcing scripture from context to try to build his case. And I would say, yeah, that might sound politically conservative to a certain extent, but it's theologically liberal because it's choosing to ignore what the scriptures say about the teachings and ethics of Jesus, the purpose of the church in the world. Very similar to a theology that supports abortion and ignores what scripture says about the value and sanctity of life. It's a theology that's willing to allow killing for the sake of what's pragmatic. It was the other side of the coin a theology that ignored the sanctity of life of other people and was willing to actually break the commandments to not steal and to not kill in order to take something from one nation to bless another. And my point is you can get into all sorts of political discussions about what is permissible and what is not, but don't use scripture to try to support your political view and call it good theology. 
you could very much be falling into liberal theology from a conservative side and not realize it. And that's, that's hard. That's hard to talk about. And it's sad to talk about, but I think as Christians, we need to be honest and face it. I think if we just have in our mind, like this one idea of what a progressive Christian looks like, we're just going to be demonizing people on one side of the political spectrum while ignoring that we ourselves, if we're someone who's leaning more on the conservative sides of things, we are just as prone to slipping into theological progressive Christianity whenever we sacrifice truth for things that are more convenient for us. And I think that's a side of the conversation we need to talk about more. Mm -hmm. And the point of bringing up the extreme examples is to show the real danger that Mm. this kind of thinking can have. Because once, once you say, I am pursuing God apart from his word being the guide, or his word as historically understood as being the guide, then you're really, you're in a ship that's rudderless. You know, there, yeah. there's no telling where that ends up. And I think about just that term progressive. When you think mm. about progress in anything, it's always slow and steady. And at times you can't even really see where it's bringing you yeah. until you've arrived in a very different place. You know, I, I think of mm. like when you go to the beach and you put your stuff down on the sand and then you go into the water. And if you lose sight of where your stuff is, you will slowly progress away from where home base was, for lack of a better term, Mm. on that beach. It can happen subtly and imperceivably. And Mm. I think that that's why this conversation is so worth having, because if you find yourself in a place where the ideas and ideals of progressive Christianity in, in one form or another are appealing to you, you should really consider what it is that's making them appealing. Because mm. what, what I have definitely seen is that when you get down to what is the core thing that I'm actually looking for as I mm. reach for this, what you'll find is that Jesus fulfills that better than whatever it is you're going to reach for. If, if you were really looking for what is the most abundant life that I could have, it's life in the genuine Jesus. And it's life that gives and is generous and cares for others. It's the secret that Jesus really revealed for us. If you want to find your life, give it away. You know, it's counter to our thinking, but it's satisfaction that comes from Jesus. And thinking about inclusion on the more left-leaning side, if you want to find true unity, Hmm. you find it in Jesus. When you build unity on something else you end up undercutting a lot of what makes unity truly great. Like, look Mm. for how Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of that ideal, and you'll find that it brings you back to biblical truth a lot of times. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. If you like our show, please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes. It seriously helps so much. The more reviews we get, the more people will find us. And so if you want to help the show, please just go on iTunes and leave a quick review. We also love questions from listeners and we love to do episodes focused on questions. So if you have a question and you want us to talk about on the show, send it to our email address, which is goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. Send us a question. We'd love to talk about it on the show. The Good Lion Podcast is a production of the Calvary Global Network, and it's produced by myself, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host, Brian Higgins. Our show is a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network, a network of Christian podcasters that Brian and I started with our friends. Check out our website, goodlion.io, where you can find a ton of other Christ-centered, encouraging, and equipping podcasts. Our goal with this ministry is to reach people all over the world with Christ-centered content that helps them as they walk closer with Jesus. If you like what we do and you want to support us, go to goodlion.io slash support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.